Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today, we are talking about love languages. I feel like this is very like summer love romantic like I feel like there's a theme here I don't know about y'all but um weren't you the one who told me that this is like the summer to be booed up because we're post-pandemic yes I'm not booed up and everybody else is booed up and this was supposed to be my summer to be booed up so I'm mad (laughs) (laughs) no actually what if you end up getting some love in the fall like you meet somebody at the end of summer like you still got time yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, it's time for our check-in. So how are you doing? It's funny because we literally just spoke about doing this and I completely forgot. And I don't think I want to check in. Um, Yo, I'm just not. I'm just so annoyed right now. I'm, I'm irritated. My body's annoying. Being a girl freaking sucks sometimes. Like, yo, working and I have fe- I, I'm not sure how I feel about complaining yo being a girl is just hard and i'm not saying it's not hard being a man it's not what i'm saying but hormonally what we go through is just not fucking fun um and like work is i'm going through some stuff at work feeling very um underappreciated and just wondering why people don't show up when they pretend in other areas that they are showing up but then when it comes to doing the work they don't yeah no that's that's a no-go for me I hate I hate being in those situations for me I I'm fine I'm just tired like I like if even if I wasn't fine I'm too tired to notice like I'm literally could fall asleep right now like I'm so tired if I sound off (laughs) my bad y'all well maybe the maybe the topic of conversation yeah i think the topic of conversation will lift you up because it's we're talking about love languages we're not talking about love we're talking about how we express it right and how other people mm-hmm. express it um and this and it just a little disclaimer this it doesn't necessarily only have to be romantic love right Mm-mm. nope yeah love languages is definitely a lot more universal so um you know we'll just dive on in so as we mentioned um, we're talking about love languages and really um a lot of the information that i will be discussing today comes from the book the five love languages singles edition by gary chapman uh he is the person who came up with the concept of love languages this is like his research his philosophy like his contribution to the world so if you want to learn more about it definitely check the link in our description I purchased the singles edition because I'm single, okay? Uh, There are different types of uh, editions for the book. There's, um, it covers families, teenagers, men, the workplace. So like to Sasha's point that this is not just necessarily about romantic relationships, but today we're going to discuss like friendships, romantic, familial. So we'll touch on a few of the different areas where love languages is applicable. The five love languages are words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, quality time, and physical touch. So basically, these are five ways that we express our love to someone else, but also how we receive love from others. And there is a little bit of nuance between how we give love and how we receive love, but it's the most important thing to know about yourself is what is your own love language. So the easiest way to figure out what your love language is, if you don't already know it, is just really to take the quiz online. So um, again, we'll link that as well in the episode notes so that you can 
take the quiz if you don't already know your love language. And I feel like it's one of those things that really shouldn't change much throughout the course of your life. I think like your love language is pretty inherent in who you are as a person and is kind of based on how you grew up, which makes a lot of sense. Like a lot of the things we talk about on this podcast, like attachment and how you show up and how you believe about yourself, like all of these things are developed very early in life. So your love languages is correlated to like early life experiences. You said something that's very important, at least for me. Uh, I always have like social commentary on what it is that we do. This idea of love languages is something that is very well known. I also feel that because it's something that's so highly popularized, it, it becomes easy to consume, right? It becomes something that you can just get information off of from Instagram or social media or wherever it is that you get your you know, 10 steps on, on what it is that you, you want to learn as opposed to actually deep diving into what it is. So for me, I just want to say that the I really enjoyed the, this theory of love languages. I think that they could be um, helpful for whatever relationships you're in, and it's worth taking the quizzes and getting to know yourself. However, I want to speak a little bit to how we as a society consume these kinds of theoretical breakdowns and the, the downside to it. And just kind of ask our listeners that they don't do this, that if you're really interested, you read the book, you don't you don't just take this information at face value and then go with it. That's how you can kind of run into issues, especially if you're going to go apply it to your relationships. I think that we are used to getting quick fixes, right? Uh, we're mm-hmm. used to living in this kind of input-output society. We consume ideas that fit into our world and our experience of the world, and we decide to plug it to create this self-affirming belief. And this is something that we have to be very careful with. Uh, So I urge our listeners to take this with a grain of salt, not because I don't find value in it, because I actually really, really like it. I did the quiz myself and it's spot on. But I also think that the way we consume the information and internalize it is important. So, again, if you're going to listen to this podcast and take the information in, I would say do a little more research to as to how you can apply it to your own personal life. Where I thought you were going with this was like, this is not the end all be all of it right like definitely not uh yeah like love languages is one thing of many things that make relationships work so whether you know your love languages or not some things that you do want to consider in terms of like just being a little bit more introspective about who you are and what matters to you is which of your relationships do you consider to be healthy who do you feel a lot of love from when do you feel it and why uh, which of those relationships would, which of the relationships in your life would you like to see improved? What, what about these relationships would you like to see improve and why? And how do you describe your relationship with your parents? Did you feel mm. that you were or weren't loved? Why were not? And what changes would you like to see in that, in those primary relationships? The reason why we ask these is because it's helpful for you to understand your love language, but also to understand why your love language is important to you, right? And it comes from a self-advocacy standpoint of like, if you understand what's important to you and why, then you're better able to explain it to others and be in a place of saying like, okay, like this is what I want and this is why I need it to be this way and why it relates to who I am. Yes. And if you haven't already listened to our episode on attachment styles, because I think it was question number two about the parents or I don't know when you. The, yeah, the third that. one. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Question. I think it was question number three about the parents um, that has everything to do with attachment styles. So definitely mm-hmm. it's more information for yourself. Absolutely. So, yeah, so we're just going to dive right in to the different uh, love languages so we can briefly explain them all. So. First is words of affirmation, and this love language is about expressing affection through spoken words, praise, or appreciation. And what I loved about this, because you think like words of affirmation, like, all right, like I'll tell you, you're beautiful, like you're this, you did a great job, right? And all of those are really important, but I love the way that the book broke it down into different dialects because hello language is dialects i see what you did there mm-hmm. gary chapman uh, so, <laughs> so the first is words of appreciation right the first dialect so expressing sincere gratitude for some act or, or service being rendered 
The second is words of encouragement, which literally is, which he literally explains it. It translates into to inspire courage. Um, but it's really kind of just being someone's cheerleader. Do you inspire them and motivate them to pursue something further? Uh, words of praise. So recognizing their accomplishments and kind words. And with kind words, it wasn't so much about what you say, but it's just how you say it. Do you say it with kindness, with purity in your heart? Do you really like actually mean what it is that you're saying? So I'm going to try this here, all right, just to give the listeners a breakdown of what you're saying. So words of appreciation. Crystal, I love the way you are so organized because it helps me keep myself in check, especially doing this podcast with you. Was that good? (laughs) Yes, that was a great example. Words of encouragement. You know, but I love the way you keep trying to show up for yourself and you do the work um, because that inherently translates into showing up for people around you and I get the benefit of that. So I hope you keep going. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> words of praise. Um, yo, Crystal, you are so smart. You went, you did your training in social work. Um, you do diversity work now. And I, I'm sure you're going to continue to do amazing things moving forward. Oh, I'm killing it out here. You should date yes, me. Yes, you are. <laughs> and you said it with a lot of kindness and love in, in your voice. Uh, there we go. Yeah. See? All right. So go. Sasha here with the examples in case y'all were like wondering what's the difference like <laughs> in real time. And it's so funny because words of affirmation is actually one of my top love languages. I have words of affirmation acts of service and quality time um those are like my top three like they they rank like they score like really closely to to each other and it's so funny because I a lot of what I've been doing the work on which Sasha was commenting on was like my self-worth and self-love so it's also really funny to hear you say that because I'm like just accept it like don't question it don't (laughs) and I think that's also something to to be mindful of with your with your love languages like are you even like accepting of certain things like which love language comes easier to you and in terms of accepting because I I was literally doing therapy earlier today and uh, we're really starting to get at one of my core core like thoughts and beliefs about myself and when I tell you that every everything that happens in my life comes back down to this core belief of like Mm. not being good enough and she's like let's dissect that and part of dissecting that is understanding like how did I get to to this place so I feel like even listening to you say these things like there's so much that comes up in my mind and I'm like how did I get those thoughts like as soon as you said something I was like oh and then I was thinking this and then I was thinking that so it's just interesting um, how love languages can relate even to doing the work if you really kind of begin to dissect it yes but enough on (laughs) words of affirmation next is gifts so gift giving is symbolic of love and affection for people who receive love in this way they treasure not only the gift itself but the time and effort the gift giver put into it so most people most people uh don't expect large or expensive gifts most people uh the love mm-hmm. language is more so about what the gift communicates to them so it it kind of may remind them that you really know them that you were listening to them that they were on your mind or that you cared enough to like even take into consideration what might be important to them in the book, there was a cute story about an older woman. She moved into a small apartment by her, um, was moved into a small apartment by her children because she was just older. Her husband had passed and she had to downsize and she ended up take, she wanted to take a rocking chair that was really important to her. Um, and the children initially were like, no. And then one of her sons brought it to her anyway, despite the fact that they said no, that she couldn't have it. And it meant the world to her because her husband had given it to her. And that was the way that he expressed love. And she had raised her children like on that rocking chair. She would rock them to sleep. So sometimes it's not even necessarily like this big old thing. Like sometimes it's something as simple as like a rocking chair that holds so much memory. So yeah, keeping that in mind with gifts. Yeah, it's the meaning we assign to the gift, the memory, the the feeling, I think. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah. And I think this one was interesting for me because gifts is like my last, like it's almost like insignificant in terms mm. of uh, receiving love. And it's funny because my father who passed, he used to give gifts. Like that was his way of showing love. Um, he would buy me like anything that I wanted. And now like gift giving is so insignificant to me. And I think it's because I would have preferred his presence in my life over anything that he brought me. Um, so I think, again, love languages can be a lot deeper if you really think about it. Oh, yeah. But that's the whole point, right? That was the whole point of my little mini PSA. Like, it, it goes mm-hmm. way deeper than just the actual definition of it and how people show up on surface level, right? We're, we're human beings. We assign meaning and value to everything. So it, this, this goes deep. Yeah. So the third one is acts of service. So people with this love language feel loved and appreciated when they do, when people do nice things for them. So whether it's helping them with the dishes, putting gas in the car, it's like little things, little services, a little acts of service that go straight to the person's heart. So similar to words of affirmation, this love language can be difficult to speak if your family of origin emphasize everyone fending for themselves or doing things for themselves and looking out for their own needs, maybe primarily as an act of survival, like your family encourages you to be very independent because no one helped them. So therefore you need to like learn not to depend on other people. And the book emphasized that there's a difference between acts of service and feeling obligated to do things outside of your own will because you're obligated. The distinction was made because it's at the heart of dysfunctional families when people serve others because they're forced to. um, Freedom to serve is lost, right? So being obligated, Gary Chapman says, hardens the heart creates anger, bitterness, and resentment. So if you're feeling obligated to do something and it's not coming because you really love your mom and you see her struggling and you want to help her out, your mom's like, you never help me out in the house. Like, do the dishes or, you know, do, you know, mop the floors and things like that. Then acts of service, um, it really isn't coming from a loving place. It's coming from a place of obligation. So just make sure that you confuse those two things. So I actually think you bring up an interesting point there because you would think that growing up in a family where everybody um, acts out these acts of service, right? Like these like gestures, I should say, you would get used to because of the way you grew up. But I I think that what you're speaking more to here is different personality types and temperaments Uh that we're born with um, that are just innate to us. And some of this stuff is, it's not, uh, environment. It's not how we were nurtured. It's it's our genetic disposition uh, to maybe have words of affirmation as our top uh, way of expressing love or wanting to receive love. But you're in a family where majority of the people show it through acts of service. There's a mismatch, and it, and then you know you kind of start feeling the resentment that the author was speaking about, right? Like you feel like I don't want to do this, and and it's almost like your feelings get put in the back seat. So I do think this is the value to love languages. So to kind of see things on the big in the bigger picture and be like, oh, that's how they do it. They didn't recognize it. Not to say that it was okay, but it, it changes your perspective, right? And then you get to pick people who do give you words of affirmation, right? So that's where it becomes a little more easier to maneuver your world. And this is the value in it. Yeah, and I think like, you know, we started off talking about like what are what is your love language but also being mindful of other people we'll review more like once we get through all five too like how to be mindful of other people and how do they receive love and what happens when you're mismatched the way that Sasha was talking about the next is quality time so love and affection are expressed through this love language when someone gives their undivided attention This means putting down distractions, making eye contact, actively listening. So people with this love language are looking for quality over quantity. And quality doesn't always mean like we need to spend all of our time gazing into each other's eyes. And I like this distinction because it seems like, okay, well, I watched a movie with you which is fine, like that could be an act of quality time, but if it didn't feel meaningful to that person, like you need to be mindful that it doesn't count as quality time in their eyes. Yeah, 
So I can give a little bit of a breakdown with this one because quality time is my number two. Um, I am that kind of person who will assign meaning to different activities. So quality time with the example that Crystal gave with the movie could be quality time for me, at least, if post-movie we end up talking about what it brought up for us or your thoughts on it, right? Because now we sh- we have, it's. I think it's about shared experiences and connection. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, that's essentially yeah, so that- what it is. Mm-hmm. So the activity is secondary. Yeah. It's only a means to creating the sense of togetherness. So you're absolutely right. Yes. Just to be clear also, um, because some of these love languages can can be a little similar. So there's a distinction between acts of service and quality time. Uh, so let's say your partner wants to learn how to play tennis and you are a tennis pro, like you're really good at it. Teaching your partner to play tennis is an act of service because you're providing them, so to speak, like a service, like you're teaching them something, right? Whereas, like, let's say you already taught them and then you're playing tennis together as a way to, like, bond, then that is quality time. So also, like, being um, distinguished because you're you're in, in the act of service, you are spending time together, but technically it would be an act of service over quality time. But again, I think sometimes, like, just knowing that someone cares enough about you to teach you something or to spend time doing something with you is key. So I, I don't think it matters as long as love is expressed, but I just wanted to point that out. Um, and then also like words of affirmation, this also has different dialects. So there's quality conversation, which is sympathetic dialogue where two individuals are sharing their experience, thoughts, feelings, and desires in a friendly, uninterrupted context. So quality conversation is different from words of affirmation because affirming words focus on what you're saying, whereas quality conversation focuses on more on what you're hearing, right? So like, it's not so much about like what you're saying, but how are you um, receiving the information? How are you internalizing it and interpreting it? Also, words of affirmation has more to do with the person that you're telling it to and their qualities as opposed to the experience Mm -hmm. that you're sharing within this quality time. Um, I think that's a huge distinction. Absolutely. Yes. And quality activities, which includes anything in which one or both of you has like an interest. So not so much on what you're doing, but focusing on why you're doing it. If the purpose is to experience something together, walk away feeling like they cared about you, like we've said, and they're willing to do something with you, that's important to you. So I think that this one is, I really wanted to point this out because I think a lot of times couples are like, oh, you're only doing it with me because you feel obligated or something like that. If someone takes the time to do something with you, because it matters to you, like, even if it's not something that they're interested in, like, if if I was dating somebody, and they were like, let's watch this game together, any sports, because I don't fucking like sports, that really means I love you, because let me tell you what I do not want to do, watch no goddamn game on TV, Um, so, like, you know, part of it is also, like, if you really care love about someone and it's important to them, like even if you don't, even if it's not necessarily something that you would want to do, like being engaged in an activity that's important to them is also key. I mean, I'm not doing it all the time, but if it's your favorite team and it's the playoffs, then fine, whatever. Yeah. And then I, I, and you know, like through my experience uh, being in that position, it's, you again quality time is something you're sharing with that person right so you're sharing their world you're sharing their interests so being inquisitive being curious um you know for me i i would take that as quality time especially if my partner would be willing to explain to me what's happening and you know and then i'm like mm-hmm. oh my god i get it and now we're sharing it and then they get excited and, and and you know you get excited when they're excited and that's how we all start liking you know our partner's teams or whatever because it's like there's an emotional association with it or right? like there's a mm-hmm. connection to to like oh i remember when i used to watch this with this person and i want to share this with them so now i'm gonna like this team right Except for me, because I'm a Mets fan, and no one can change that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I forgot that you're a freaking Mets fan. Yeah. Oh, why'd you remind me? Girl, it has to be done. <laughs> Disappointed. 
Um, we're moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> also, the the great thing about quality time before we move on to the next one is that it really leads to you having a memory bank of which to draw things, experiences, memories from in the in the years to come, right? And last but certainly not least, we have physical touch. And a person with this love language feels love through physical affection. And this is aside from sex. Those who have physical touch as their primary love language feel loved when their partner shows physical affection in some way, like holding their hand, touching their arm, giving them a, a massage. And um, for them, like the idea of a perfect date might include like cuddling on the couch with a glass of wine and a good movie. And they just want to be close, like physically close to the other person. That's actually a really good way if you're in a relationship where you have physical touch and your partner's quality time, boom. You meet mm-hmm. each other's needs, right? All in one. Boom. All a one. twofer. No, yeah. stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, I physical touch is my number one. It's my number one way of uh, showing, of feeling love, actually. And showing. Crystal knows. Because I be holding her hands sometimes. <laughs> yeah, she be. No, so this is this is interesting that you say that because your love language is, is something that for me is a little bit uncomfortable not in a bad way um it's not that I don't want to show you love but I didn't grow up in a house where we like hugged Mm. and you know like that just wasn't part of what how we showed our I mean granted I don't know that we showed our love in any way but but you know it's funny I also didn't grow up in a house where we showed our love that way we I, I was deprived of that actually and I be that that's actually what I value most. And that has everything to do with what we were saying in the beginning where like, I just mm-hmm. think I, I need touch. Like I inherently need touch for some reason. Just because you didn't res- like sometimes your love language is exactly what you didn't receive mm-hmm. growing up, you know, like sometimes like, so for me, I didn't receive physical touch like that. So it's not my love language. Right. So mm-hmm. for me, it's like, okay, like I didn't get this as an expression of love therefore I don't see it as an expression of love for you it was like you didn't get that but now it's your primary love language because that's what you had always wanted so that's why at the beginning I was so like you know like really think about these things because we're the we're a prime example of neither one of our households showed love through physical touch but we went in kind of like opposite directions in that regard this love language also has um, nuances like quality time and words of affirmation. So there's implicit touches, putting a hand on someone's shoulder, like patting them on the back, something very like um, light, nuanced, things like that. Then there's explicit touches, which is a back rub, a foot rub. So like you're you know, like, dim, like that you dim, like whatever that touch is kind of like demands your full attention. It's not something fleeting. Then there's sensitive touches like hugs, you know, like in a time of crisis, you know, like what's a quick way to show someone that you care for them. And then there's sexual touch. Um, and that's anything that falls under the category of sexual intimacy. Um, and this usually will release things like oxytocin and create mm-hmm. like more intimacy and bonds and connections through that yeah. type of touch. So something really quickly that I want to point out as someone who enjoys receiving physical touch and giving physical touch, all of these kinds of touches, implicit, explicit, sensitive, and se- most importantly, sexual I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of them I think are important, but um, you should not be touching anybody if they have not given you consent. I will, you know, even though I'm a hugger, even though I like, you know, every, even though I be holding Crystal's hand, I know I asked her, hey, boo, is it okay if I hold your hand? Uh, which is still so weird saying out loud, but I did ask. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. You do ask. And that was um, also another piece that I wanted to bring up. Because with this love language, you have to understand what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, You also need to understand what's acceptable in terms of your society, right? Like, what are the norms within your society? So definitely always think twice about who you're touching, how you're touching them, and why you're touching them. It's always sexy to ask for consent. I love, like, every single time that 
um, Sasha asked, like, you know, to hold my hand, to give me a hug or anything like that. Like, it reminds me how much she respects me because, you know, like, even though sometimes for me, it's like, I, I want to give you a hug. It feels weird for me because this is not something I I'm used to. The fact that she asked me for consent shows me res- like that she respects me or vice versa and also like when I hug her right like even though that's not something that's the norm for me she understands that I love her so like we're mutually showing respect and love to each other in those interactions so um this actually leads into a good point that I came across when I was looking at different articles for this there was an article that spoke on healthy boundaries and consent which is what we're talking about now for physical touch like so consent is super important because not only do you need it to respect your partner, but you can't expect your partner to show up the way you want to be to be loved just because, right? In a lot of relationships, this shows itself through like, if you loved me, then you would do X, Y, Z, right? Like there mm-hmm. has to be a level of consent on the from the other person stating like, yes, I, I love you and I want to engage in this because I want to make you happy, right? And then to the healthy boundaries piece, it's it's important because if you don't have healthy boundaries, it could turn into um, you trying to control your partner's behavior through them actually tr- showing you this love language, right? Like, so like, oh, you don't show me this, so you don't love me kind of thing. Like, it's a little bit of like a manipulation. So this is where it gets like a little messy for people, which is why I urge people to read. But when I read this article, it got me thinking about healthy relationships, right? And what they really entail. And I think love languages are very useful. I'm going to keep saying that. But like Crystal mm-hmm. said, they should not be the end-all, be-all. They're multi-layered. They're complex. Um, we're complex. So, of course, they're going to be complex. And also, you have to recognize that there are going to be issues that you're not going to resolve just by engaging in this process of express of showing them love the way they want to be loved, right? It's not mm-hmm. as easy as taking a quiz and then saying, but I'm doing X, Y, Z. No, it's mm-hmm. way more complex. Because it's so complex, it's important to recognize that you're living in your own head, right? So what you think may be one of the love languages, like let's say words of affirmation, may be a word, maybe words of affirmation in your mind, but it may, and Crystal spoke about this, but it's important to think about and ask your partner, hey, is this what you mean, right? Um, mm-hmm. So if I tell Crystal, hey, Crystal, I love you, but she has absolutely no value or meaning assigned to that term because whatever, that's not the case, because of whatever her reasons are, I have to find that out as someone who loves her, correct? Um, You just Mm -hmm. can't do it off of, you can't project your stuff onto other people. Absolutely. There was an example in the book about a woman who, you know, she was saying like, if he loved me, he would do something to help me, right? Like when Mm -hmm. he comes over, he watches television while I wash the dishes. Like he never helps me with anything. Like she was like, I'm sick of the words. He's like, I love you. I love you. I love you. And she was like, words are cheap. You know, like if you really love me, he would help me. So like, again, there's like that mismatch um, mm. in, in like, you know, like he's like, I'm telling her I love her. That's, you yeah. know, that's how he expresses love. And she's like, nah, if you love me, you'd help me with these fucking dishes, bro. <laughs> 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 no, but it's, so, yeah. You know, so that's the messy. Yeah, and that's the messy part of when you have different love languages. Imagine you're Mm -hmm. in a situation where you have two people. Let's say me and Crystal, but our top two are the same, right? So my top two are physical touch and quality time, and hers are physical touch and quality time. That makes it even more easy for me or her to assume or project our own likes and onto Mm -hmm. the other person, right? And you're cutting off this this piece where you know you're not getting consent anymore you're not you're not those are not healthy boundaries because you're surpassing their boundaries and putting your shit onto them right um just because i may like watching a movie and talking about it Kristen might be like yo bitch i'm tired of sitting on the couch with you right like so you have to talk about these things yeah Mm -hmm. or even like let's say um with quality time you know like sasha wants to watch these movies but i don't want to watch those movies either right and like we're only watching the movies that sasha wants to watch but because we both have quality time she thinks she's doing a great job and it's like girl we watch another fucking documentary like let's watch some rom-coms i could do (laughs) rom-coms I think all of this does show that, you know, love languages isn't enough, right? It's like a nice starting Mm -hmm. point to get to something more. And this more that I'm talking about 
is actually trying to figure out how do you tailor it to the person you're in that dynamic with. And I say dynamic because this is any relationship. It could be best friend stuff, right? Because me and Crystal, me and Crystal are best friends. And if you really think about like, how do you tailor it? How do you get down to the nitty gritty? My answer will always be the same when any relationships. So that's good communication, trust, and vulnerability. So good communication, talking, understanding, taking it in, making mental notes, listening to tone. All these things are information that you need to be taking in when the person you're in this dynamic with is playing it out with you, right? They, you, you both have roles and each of you play certain roles. Start, start observing. Um, trust. So <laughs> this one's a little rough for me because I'm not going to lie. I'm not all there yet. And I speak about that all the time. But I do believe it involves like a, a comfort and security in the other person within the relationship where you feel mm-hmm. safe, right? Yes. And the best way I can describe it is like there's not this, yes, people are going to hurt you unintentionally and intentionally, but you don't mm-hmm. expect them to hurt you, right? Because they've proven right. to you that they won't. I think from in, someone can check me because I'm not all there yet. Um, Crystal? <laughs> No, um, <laughs> no, but I no, you're not all there yet, but neither am I. So I feel like you have more trust than me. So I, at this point, you're my role model when it comes to trust. <laughs> so, and then, okay, so somebody check us uh, if if necessary. <laughs> and for me, honesty and vulnerability—it's about being open to being wrong. To recognizing that you're not showing love the way the person wants to, not getting offended, not getting defensive, um, exposing parts of yourself where you feel shame. Yeah, that's hard. Allowing for your love for this person to override these like irrational negative um, feelings, which are usually reactions that you experience when you realize like, oh, things aren't going my way or I don't feel like I did something right. Or it's about talking it through with that person. Um and expressing how you felt in that moment. And, you know, it's going to sound like a therapist, but after conflict comes resolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that you brought up these, like, different um, pieces, like trust, communication, honesty, vulnerability. Because uh, I think that even with, you know, like, the communication, the trust and stuff, and the love languages, these are all almost, like, deposits. Like, you have to, like, give to relationships. And these are good ways to, like, give deposits. So, love, like, love languages is, like, you know, when you're in an, when you're, when you're in the middle of a fight, right, like, or and you're, you're not seeing eye to eye, like, love languages isn't going to resolve the fight. But what it can do is remind your partner, like, we've had good times. We can be in a good place. Like, this is worth fighting for because we we, you know, have something valuable and strong along with the communication and the trust, right? So these are all like little deposits, little ways that you build strength and a good foundation for the relationship. And this is why I said at the beginning, it's not the end all be all. It's one piece of the larger puzzle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love that you said that because when I was thinking about love languages, I I did the tests, right? So I'm just going to run down my results real fast. Physical touch was 37%. Quality time, 27%. Words of affirmation, 17 uh, Acts of service, 13%. And receiving gifts was 7%. So just by looking at, at my results and the percentages, you can notice that I'm not drastically one language over the other. I do have a top two. And they do begin, and then the rest kind of begin to dwindle a bit. But that doesn't mean that they're not important. So it speaks to these these little deposits that you're talking about, right? And something that came up for me is that it just doesn't have to be physical touch and quality time because that's not all I am. It's on like a, mm-hmm. a spectrum, right? Of But I prefer physical touch and quality time, right? And if you're listening, you're going to know to give that to me most of the time. But that does not mean you can't buy me something. <laughs> like i love you know crystal's a really good gift giver and i enjoy every time she gives me a gift it's not top of my list but i do um and i want to make that point just because other styles of loving aren't high in the percentile breakdown that they give you it doesn't make them any less important right for me all these ways of showing up for your partner right like all the love languages is important it's obviously a little more important to to kind of see what it is that they prioritize because this is more towards their liking. Because once you, the act of actually noticing who they are and, you know, 
recognizing that this is what they like, it it simply means that you're listening or that your partner's listening to you. And giving people the space to be heard and to be seen is probably the most loving things you can do for others, in my opinion. Yeah. And I and I to your point about like it's all on a spectrum. Like yesterday, Sasha and I were at the beach and Sasha didn't have cash to get a salad and then she came back and she's like I'm just not gonna eat and I was (laughs) like absolutely not like you need to eat something and even though I had to go through some slightly extreme measures to get her to tell me what she wanted to eat for lunch I went and got her her lunch because I was like this is important I want you to eat like I want you to be okay like and and I will go to I will go get you your lunch. That's how much I want you to be okay. So that's an act of service. Not her top, you know, love language, but definitely, you know, meant a lot to her that I, I took out the time. Oh, absolutely. It meant the world to me. But let me just point out that your top is act of service. And when I mm-hmm. tried to do an act of service for you yesterday at the oh, beach. No. <laughs> you God, completely from the audio. No, you completely I'm not. Mm-mm. You completely denied me. And that's your top way of receiving love. So please explain to me who's winning. Please. Mm-mm. No. I tried to I was like, ooh, this she she was holding like a, a semi-heavy cooler. I knew it was heavy because I saw her struggling. And I was like, boo, we could take turns because we were walking. She's like, no, it's okay, I got it. You could do, you could do it when it's empty. And I said, mm, that's not nice. Please let me help you and give you love in the way I know you like to be loved. But yo, she completely denied me, which is why I denied her. Just saying. <laughs> it was still an act of love. But no, and, and that goes back to my earlier point about believing that I'm worthy of receiving love. Um, mm-hmm. So it had more to do with me than it had to do with Sasha. Just Actually, be careful when you think of that, when you think of it that way, because love is a two way street and it mm. always has to do with the two people involved in it. Yeah. See, I'm still learning, y'all. <laughs> she came for me on my own podcast live. Y'all, y'all heard that? Y'all heard that? Absolutely. Um, but anyways. <laughs> okay, so I did want to just really quickly touch upon um, family and friendships um, because we, I think we've, I mean, we've kind of talked about it too a little bit with, with our own friendship, but, uh, just a note with, for family, because the singles edition does kind of tap into all of these different topics. So with family, it's easy to take for granted the fact that you think they'll always be there for you. Um, and you may not always feel the need to put in the work, um, to let your family know that you love you because it's like, well, your family, your blood, like you're my cousin, like blah, blah, blah. Like, you You know, know. um, you know, you, you know, right. Right. You know, I love you. Right. Um, but it's one of those, one of those relationships where you shouldn't be taking it for granted. So with parents, um, it's it's important to learn each of your kids' love languages because even though they're your children, they one size does not fit all when it comes mm. to them, right? So you can show love to your kids all in the same way, but they may not all receive love in the same way. So sometimes you can accidentally send the message that you love one child more than the other because you're trying to love them all the same or you're trying this like one size fits all approach um, and it doesn't work for that particular kid. Or, you know, like your kids may think like, oh, they don't love me because they're not loving me in the ways that I want to Mm. be loved. So being very mindful of that. Um, And it's important to teach children about how they receive love and how they give love early on. Um, Children are a lot smarter than you think. Um, They're they're absorbing a lot more, especially these kids that are technology savvy. Two-year-olds know how to work iPhones better than I do. So, like, you really have to be mindful with with them. They know all the games, okay? Uh, So (laughs) They do. If they understand their own love language um, and understand giving love to other people, they believe um, that they are worthy, they're worthy of being heard, that they're worthy of like feeling love, and they're also mindful of other people, and it just makes them good citizens of the world. 
And then also for adult children, um, learning your parents' love language is also helpful to continue to build deeper relationships with your parents as you get older. Because when you get older, the dynamic really shifts because it doesn't go from like, oh, my parent is taking care of me. And like that the relationship, not that it's a one-way relationship, but it's primarily like parent to child. And when you become an adult, like there's more opportunities for it to become a bit more of a two-way street, like on an even uh, level. So it could be an important way to build bond with your parent um, and just kind of like really understand and get to know them on a deeper level than just how you've been showing up. You know, like when you were a child and a teenager, like the dynamic is different. You know, I love that you said that because the expectation is that it's one way from the parent to the child. But I think a lot of us have grown up in, especially, you know, children of immigrants, not because our parents were horrible, but because the experience of being first gen here and having immigrant parents, you're kind of parenting your parent, um, right? So just to put it out there for those people who have that experience, that it's a little opposite. As an adult child, you have the right to ask for your parents to love you Mm -hmm. the way you want to be loved. And that's more than okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Um, And then with your friends, I mean, we've kind of talked a lot about friendships, but friendships are definitely something that you have to like build, like, you know, like, again, there's something you have to put the deposits in, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And you want to make sure that um, everyone's needs in the relationship are met and that you don't take them for granted Um, because you want to make sure that you build intimacy and closeness. And I think Sasha and I have given plenty of examples of how, that works Mm -hmm. out between us. So I'm not going to get too much more in depth with that. Mm -hmm. And then there's relationships, which we've, you know, really been talking about and love languages really focuses a lot on relationships. Like romantic relationships, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I like the fact that you brought that up because obviously the love languages doesn't only speak to romantic love. Um, a, A relationship is any dynamic between two people, right? Um, I think that a lot of us get tripped up within love languages be- and kind of filter. And maybe this is the way the media portrays it, but we filter it through the experience of being in love with your spouse or a romantic partner. And I think that it's easier to spot these little ways of showing up for somebody when you're in um, a romantic, like a, when you're in a partnership or a rom- like a romantic relationship, because this person's so novel, right? Kind of like Crystal was saying, like, you, we take our families for granted. We Sometimes we take our friends for granted. And eventually mm-hmm. you end up taking your partner for granted anyway, but that takes a little bit longer. So I do think people should start noticing very general ways within these groups, like these subgroups of, like, how to love, like, physical touch, acts of service, words of affirmation. Because I think that it gets skewed by this idea of romantic love. And sometimes we can't tell within, like, these family relationships or friend relationships, what the other person really is trying to convey. So for example, what I'm trying to say, like, let's say you're a physical touch kind of person. It's not just sex, right? It's giving a hug. It's asking permission for, you know, to hold your hand, putting your arm around someone's shoulder, um, sitting closely next to them. That's actually, that makes me feel good, right? But all these things you could do with family members, friends, uh, and romantic partners, right? These are very general things. The reality is that these are very general things you can do, right, in every kind of relationship. So the the gift is simply a gesture, right? I was thinking about you. Um, when you see it like that, it's easier to do, to act out, and easier to spot when the other person is doing it. So, like, if you're wondering, like, how mm-hmm. does this person show love? It's just look for the general theme of what it is that they're doing, right? And then you start to notice, oh, they are gift-giving, Oh, they like physical touch. Oh, they like words of affirmation, right? So when you're noticing and observing the people you're in relationships with, their dynamic, you're giving them love too, whether we recognize it or not, right? That observation piece and taking the time to say, yo, what is it that they like? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's super important because I think that when we fall in love or when we're in relationships, are, I, and I and this is cultural too, maybe, we have a tendency to make it about us sometimes only. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you giving me? What am I getting out of this? But it's, again, it's a two-way street. So yeah, you have a certain way of enjoying experiencing love and other people do too, right? Um, and so we're, it's, we're gonna, it's a give and take. And I think it's important to be open and willing to see how others are loving towards you so that you can come in closer to each other as opposed to creating more distance. 
Yeah, no, that is super, super important. And I think that um, when you were speaking, it reminded me of even the workplace. So I didn't, mm-hmm. I know Gary Chapman has a book on show, like love languages in the workplace. Um, but it what you were talking about reminded me of that because like I know with certain people that I work with, like I try to, um, you know, work in ways that, that are beneficial to them. So like in my office, like we have a culture of like, you know, um, all hands on deck, right? Like if, mm. if someone has an event, like it's all hands on deck, like what do you need? What, what about this? But also like even other little things um, that matter. So like one person in our office, like, you know, she needs to hear that she's done a job well done. She make mar- like flyers and stuff like that. You know, I'm always like, oh, so-and-so, like I love how, how you did this flyer. Like, this was such a great idea. I wouldn't have thought about doing it that way. And it's Mm -hmm. genuine. It's not like me bullshitting, but I have to verbalize it to her because it's important for her to hear that she's doing a job well done. Or like even with Sasha, something that I noticed in your office is one of your coworkers, whenever she has coffee, she asks you if if you want some because she knows you really love coffee. So I think like those are also little ways that you can kind of show appreciation. And it and it's again, it's workplace, right? Like you're not trying to, you know, like you don't have to invest the same way in these relationships that you do like your friendships, your family, your your romantic relationships. But you spend more time at work than you do outside of work. Well, maybe post pandemic, it'll <laughs> the, the workplace dynamics will completely shift. But like thinking about like you work 40 hours a week uh, on average for most people like these are also relationships you need to invest in yo you just blew my mind a little bit because it it brings up the point that i think that within different relationships i i really do feel that we look for different kinds of love and we accept it mm-hmm. different in a different way so i and for me it has to do with the level of intimacy that i share with this person so ultimately, mm-hmm. when it's an intimate and personal relationship, I do think physical touch and quality time are my top two. But at work, I really enjoy words of affirmation because I need to know that I'm a good employee and that you're enjoying my work. And I love mm-hmm. acts of service, actually, because mm-hmm. I just believe that if my coworker is constantly touching me, I'm going to have a fucking problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's what we were saying earlier, You, ha- especially with physical touch. You have to be mindful of your environment. Like... Yes absolutely no i agree that also hr like real quick (laughs) and that goes back to the healthy boundaries that we were talking about earlier like you need and how and it's so funny how these boundaries will show up differently um in different spaces yo you just blew my Mm -hmm. mind but something i i of course i'm gonna say it of course right like obviously these things are hella complex it's really hard to just map it out like we started with five different ways of loving and Look how detailed the conversation got and how convoluted it got and oh things change in one in one space versus another mm-hmm. space, right? How do you get to this point in figuring this out? I mean, if you don't know the answer by now, uh you gotta start listening to our <laughs> previous episodes. But yo, <laughs> it's about doing the damn work for yourself. Starting with yourself, getting to know who you are, figuring out what your maps are. So then you can then in turn engage with other relationships more thoughtfully and intentionally. Well, that was it. Sasha <laughs> wrapped it all up real neat. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. And I know uh, love languages might seem like a simple, like we know that, but obviously through, from the course of this conversation, there are so there's so much nuance uh, that, comes into this conversation and so many things to take into consideration when thinking about love languages so i hope that you all enjoyed our approach uh, to mm. love languages definitely make sure to follow us on instagram at never told us pod or send us a note let us know what you thought um any any reflections um to our email at never told us pod at gmail.com and as always make sure to come back next week so we can tell you what they never told us.